get full access to RFR only on Patreon. Become a member of the RFR Patreon community to get more Rebel Force Radio. Bonus shows and content are available right now only at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. Rebel Force Radio presents... This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen. This is Star Wars Rebels Declassified. I like the sound of that. A roundtable discussion about Star Wars Rebels. Pretty gutsy move, kid. I am the Inquisitor. Or Boston. Chopper, get us out of here. Now it's time for Star Wars Rebels Declassified. The beginning of the end starts here as the final season of Star Wars Rebels kicks off with the two-parter Heroes of Mandalore. Yes, back to the Mandalore system again. (laughs) Hey, but this time it's a little more personal, okay? Sabine's story continues to grow more complex questions about her past are answered and she sets out to right her past mistakes hey star wars fans jimmy mack here with you and welcome to the first episode of star wars rebels the classified for the final season of star wars rebels season four jason's out this week but we wanted to uh, keep the conversation going here to uh Make sure we don't fall behind. And uh, because this is a two-parter that requires immediate conversation. So joining us this week is uh, our good friend, Paul Bateman. Hey, everybody. Hey. Nice to be here. Hey, Paul. Hey. Hey, hey. Now, let me ask you a question. You're, <laughs> you're in London. Um, are, these, yeah. are these episodes airing in the UK? Oh, God, I couldn't even tell you, mate. I've got friends in high places. Okay, well, yeah, we all know that. So. We all know that. <laughs> no one questions that. But I was just wondering because every once in a while we'll be talking about these episodes and somebody will mm-hmm. float me an email saying, oh, great, you guys are telling us the entire stories and we don't even have a chance to see it out here. and. All it's, I can tell you is, that I think, like, well, I, I get a lot of the news about about uh, like the UK sort of situation from Patty Hammond, you know, our, our friend on the internet, and uh, Patty will occasionally make a post about, oh, too bad, you UK has to wait for another fortnight, and I'm like, oh, have we? <laughs> uh-huh. You know, so so Patty's kind of like my source for for news on that front. You know, it's like, okay, if I want to watch it on the TV. That's the situation. So I would check check Patty's feed because she's she's normally in the know about that kind of thing. All right, there you go. Yeah, for uh, all of the latest uh, UK <laughs> new, news about Star Wars Rebels, <laughs> Paul Bateman looks at Patty Hammond's feed. Yeah, or Jedi News, obviously. Jedi News is uh, always a good source. They have the finger on the pulse too, I think. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. But um, you know, hey, I shouldn't say anything. I'm the one asking the questions here, so uh, <laughs> I obviously know nothing. Um, but I do know. That uh, the season kicked off with uh, the two-parter Heroes of Mandalore. Part one, directed by Stuart Lee. Part two, directed by Saul Ruiz. And uh, part one, written by Henry Gilroy and Stephen Mouching. And part two, written by Christopher Yost. So, uh, 
I think we're just going to dive right into it. You know, these episodes do have a price of admission. I sat down with my son to watch them, and, and I think he only casually watched season three of Rebels. And uh, gone are the days when we would have taco night and sit around and watch Star Wars cartoons together <laughs> on a Friday going. night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, these guys, my kids, they're going off in a 100 different directions. And God forbid they should find the time to sit back and watch some Star Wars animation oh. with dear old dad. Oh, right. that's yes. so mean. I know. I'll give them a whole time next time I'm seeing Jimmy. Yeah, they're like, hey, oh. Dad, don't you, don't you want to feel like you're an empty nester? And I said, no, I don't want to feel like that. I want to watch <laughs> Star Wars with people. So often yeah. I'm watching the episodes mm. by myself. Yeah. But this time I brought... Oh, man, that sucks. you got to buy droids, dude. You've got, you're going to be one of those guys <laughs> that like starts building R2 units. You need like five R2 units in the living room so you can just sit and talk to them. I could. Go, you, you enjoying it, R2? They go, beep, 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 beep. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Call the Wall- kids. I'll call the Wallace Corporation and get a replicant. <laughs> yeah, that might be a bit more fun. That's a Blade Runner reference out there for the uh, three people who actually went to see Blade Runner 2049. Right. And for the rest yeah. of you, what are you doing? It's a great yeah, flick. go. It's amazing. But uh, we're, we're talking droids, not replicants here on, uh, on uh, Star Wars Rebels Declassified. Actually, we're talking Mandalorians above and beyond anything. And uh, so I sat down with my son to watch it and right away he he felt like he was lost he didn't understand oh. sabine being back on mandalore and everything going on there but uh he said it, you you can't just sit down and watch the show you have to know what's going on so i i explained to him about the dark saber and how that was taken from darth maul and then uh put into the possession of kanan who passed it on to sabine so i i think i have that Mm. That that succession down, they found right when they found Maul, yeah. he was in mm-hmm. possession of the dark saber, mm-hmm. and Kanan took possession of it. I think it was Ezra actually who took it, and he gave it to Kanan. It's been that long since I've seen those episodes. Doesn't yeah. it feel like it's been forever since those episodes aired? I, you know, it, it feels that way. And I mean, certainly, I always think about. You know, I don't know. Just the the, the episodes of Clone Wars that that related to to the Dark Saber and stuff, they just stick in my mind more. You know, I yeah. think because they, they were kind of bigger arcs, and you know, yeah. But I mean, that was a huge arc when when they faced mm. off against Darth Maul to end season mm. two of Rebels, and of course, you know, the whole Ahsoka story there that was tied into it made it even a much bigger event. But we also saw Kanan get blinded in those mm. episodes, and. That's something I easily forget. When I'm watching Heroes of Mandalore, I often forget Kanan is blind. And that's something yeah. else my son mentioned to me. He said, what's the I, deal with even, the thing he's wearing on his face? Yeah, I, I'm not even sure where we're at with that, right? Like how blind Ezra is. I, I know he's... Kanan. You know, obviously... Sorry, Kanan. He sees with the Force and what have you. But, I mean, is that really his situation? Has he got no eyesight at all now? Or is it all just about the Force? I yeah, suppose it is. That's he sees through the Force. It's strange because it's just it just feels like he's not disadvantaged by it at all. That seems not at all odd. I mean, maybe that's a cool thing, you know, because it's brilliant that the force can kind of do that. But it is yeah, a cool thing. It, just, it, it really does abandon the whole concept of him being the cowboy Jedi. Remember when he was first yeah. presented to us as the mm-hmm. cowboy Jedi? I've, there's mm-hmm. been very little cowboy I've seen in Kanan 
even in the early seasons, you know, I mean, what makes yeah. him so cowboy? He uh, feels like his character's really changing too. Yeah. I mean, like in, in this one, I mean, I'm expecting quite accelerated arcs for everybody because I, I noticed in, even in this one, the whole kind of thing with him and, and uh, Hera, you know, kind of where they're almost having a domestic, you know, about how she feels about him. And you oh, know, the, the tension is thick. The tension right? is thick between them. And, and this is, you know, as far as, uh, fictional characters and uh them potentially hooking up i've uh i've never uh, felt so compelled by a, a fictional couple <laughs> since uh sculler and moldy on the x files right uh, i meant scully and Mulder. what did i say sculler and moldy but so yeah here in kane and <laughs> So, so yeah. if they get together, is it going to be Kara or is it going to be Hanan? What's our our, our little nickname for them going to be? They're both a little iffy, aren't they? They're kind of like, uh, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Is this something you want to see? Do you want to see their relationship progress into well, that area? I mean, obviously, I, I do. Well, they're both like, I mean, the thing about a lot of the characters in Rebels is they're all a bit unhappy, aren't they? <laughs> I suppose that's to be expected in a story that's about war, you know, that everybody's yeah. kind of dealing with their own personal conflicts and internal issues. But at the same time, you kind of think, you know, none of them have had an awful lot of luck. <laughs> nobody's nobody's really kind of having a good time. So, so uh, yeah, I mean, I want a happy ending for for all of them. I mean, that's that's how I feel about uh, Luke in in the next Star Wars movie, and it's how I feel about all the characters in Rebels. I kind of want them all to, to, or at least most of them, to 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 have things work out for them. You know, I mean, I certainly want Zeb to have a, have a happy ending somehow because you mm. just kind of feel like he's he's kind of come off worse in this whole situation that he's lost so much. You know, that you just kind of think like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if they just? But I don't know. I mean, now they're in this. They've painted these characters as as being. You know, so much about rebellion and a part of the rebellion and all that. And clearly, the rebellion is a big thing, and it's larger than the the uh, what we're seeing in the original Star Wars. But at the same time, you kind of think, isn't their story kind of wrapped up by Star Wars? You know, they're not in Star Wars, so to speak. You know, the original movies. So, is their story finished up, or is their story kind of carrying on somewhere? You know, on some other parallel track, right? In some other distant corner of the universe. I mean, I guess that that could be the case, couldn't it? They yeah, could well, be it should be. Uh, you, know, you know, I mean, the concept of their story must end because we don't see them in this yeah. place or that place. It's a huge galaxy. There's room for a lot of different stories to be told. And they shouldn't all be told within this small little bubble. That's why it's easy for me to accept the Mandos coming back in Star Wars Rebels. Now, fans are complaining that the Mandalorians are being a little overused. I've been seeing this online. Not all All agree, of course, but Mm -hmm. some fans are complaining. And as a result... It might take some of the mystery and uniqueness away from Boba Fett because you're seeing all these people wearing the same gear that made Boba Fett so cool to begin with. Yeah. Do you ag- yeah. do you agree with it? Do you think Boba Fett is not as special as he used to be because we've met hundreds of Mandalorians? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I always when we, I mean, when, back when we were kids, Jimmy. I mean, you know, it was sound like like the old guy that that we both are. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I I kind of remember just being aware of the fact that Mandalorians were, were a thing, and being aware of the fact that 
back then at least we thought oh well you know bob is a mandalorian and and you know that was always kind of considered to be part of his thing but i don't know how much we we knew other than you know those brief remarks that we'd read about him being or the mandos being some kind of shock troops imperial shock troops of some kind Mm -hmm. which we never really had that explained to us so I think ever since we first saw Bobber, I think I was receptive to the idea of there being more of him and that they got wiped out. But I think it's going to feel strange if every single Mando that's in Rebels doesn't end up dead by the end of the show. Um, you know, however that unnecessary that might be, because it is a big universe and all that, you know, I think just that's the picture we were kind of painted or at least... It's how it felt back when the, the original Star Wars trilogy came out. Well, of course, that, that it was just Boba, and there isn't there isn't a piece of Mando armor out there anywhere, and the Mandalorians are long dead. In the you novelization know. for Empire Strikes Back, it described Boba Fett as a commando who he he wore the the armor of a group of super commandos that were defeated by the uh-huh. Jedi during the Clone Wars. Yeah, that's very specific, but. Mm. You know, and, and we did see that to a certain degree in the Clone Wars television show. Mm-hmm. But we didn't see that that battle to end all battles between the Jedi and the Mandalorians, which is something that I thought had been set up. And mm-hmm. that was the direction they were going in. Instead, we saw Darth Maul take over the Mandalorians and, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, it, that blew up into civil war. And the Civil mm. War obviously has continued all these years later and has destroyed the planet and has uh, caused all of these clans to splinter off and, and some deal with the Empire. Uh, you know, put, throwing mm-hmm. the Empire into it has just made it even more complicated. Um, mm. But like you, I thought the Mandalorians were completely wiped out mm. during the Clone Wars. Boba Fett being the only person to continue to wear their armor right. in the original trilogy era. Mm. But in my research, there's really nothing that completely sets that in stone. That's a, There's a lot to be open to interpretation yeah. with the way it's been presented over the years. Mm. I suppose we're finding that out a lot, though, aren't we? That, you know, a lot of the... I think... We, uh, the thing that's really strange about Star Wars when you think about it is the fact that you kind of over the years we've been encouraged to think about it and we're encouraged to explore the universe and we're encouraged to be a part of it, you know, in all kinds of different ways, you know, like whether it's reading books or or just chatting with your friends and stuff like that. You, you do find yourself digging deep and thinking more about the universe than is just, you know, the information that you get in the movies. And then when they suddenly decide to go off at a completely different direction, it's quite a surprise and quite shocking. But we've we have gotten used to that, especially over this last twenty years or so, haven't we? You know, where it's just, you know, your your preconceptions are, are only that, and uh, unless it's written cast iron and written by the story group, it's uh, anything goes, isn't it? It sure so, is. I mean, it's, what do you it, think? Do you, do you think they're going to wipe them out or not? I don't think I mean, so. It, I don't think really? so. As a matter of fact, at the end of this episode. I was considering where everything is going to be left off with the Mandalorians. Are they going to maintain their independence? Are they going to jump on board with the rebellion? Now, now granted, they need to unite the clans, and it certainly looked like they were well on the way at the end of this two-parter. 
mm. with with all of those uh, representatives from other clans, other houses coming up and pledging allegiance to Bo-Katan, yeah. the, the new ruler of uh, the Mandalores, mm. the new wielder of the Darksaber. <laughs> yeah. It's great to see Bo-Katan back because I like to see storylines from the Clone Wars get extended. And in in some places, get some closure on some of those. And Mm. in these episodes, this two-parter, we saw some of that as far as Bo-Katan and the Mandalorians go. Mm. Um, There's still a lot of mystery to me with the Mandos. Um, Number one is their planet is so (laughs) battle-scarred. I mean, to the point where plants and trees cannot grow there anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So what is there to fight for? In a galaxy, Paul, in a galaxy where interplanetary travel is commonplace, why stay on that rock to fight the Empire? And what value does the planet have to the Empire to begin with? Are they... Are the Empire there just to oppress the Mandalorians? It seems like they're pretty well oppressed on their own. So what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I, it's uh, it's it's one of those things where you feel as though you 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 get getting kind of really interesting um, explorations of things that you don't know about uh, Mandalorian culture, and, and meanwhile, kind of big questions are getting sidestepped or just ignored altogether. But I don't know. I mean, there were there were little things in this episode jumping ahead slightly, but just because it relates to this question. But like the. the there's a moment where you just kind of think, okay, well, that's changed the future from for everybody just because a couple of Mandalorian characters have decided what's what's ethical and what's not, and and millions of people are going to die just because of decisions that are made in this episode. So that's that's kind of huge, and yet at the same time you kind of think like like you say like why why is Emperor even inter- interested in them anymore? And if it, if there are so few few of them that it's kind of just a handful of clans and stuff, what you know. What makes them a big deal to to the empire? You kind of think, well, it's it's a planet. They're wiping out planets left, right, and center. Even without the Death Star, they're kind of dominating places, and uh, they just don't seem like they should be that big a deal to the empire anymore. I mean, especially now they have this. Well, well, as, you know, at the start of the episode, it seems like they shouldn't be a big deal to them because they've got this this weapon, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I fear. Uh, I fear yeah. that there there must be something we're missing. From a season mm. three episode, maybe there must be something. They, they mm. there must be some value to the planet Mandalore. Mm. Um, obviously, I mean, I, we we didn't see them go into the capital, which I assume mm. is that real cubist sort of uh, the architecture yeah, yeah. is very cubist, and and uh-huh. that's where Satine reigned. Mm. Um, but uh, I just I, through the whole episode, you know, it's just like they made such a big deal about showing the devastation to the planet. I was thinking to myself, you, well, what are you fighting for? Don't you think that one of the problems that they have to deal with on this show, you know, sadly for 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 the crew and all the crews behind it, is that clearly Rebels has a much more limiting budget than the Clone Wars, and and that is impacting on the scope that we get. And however much there are certain episodes where you think, well, this, you know, this feels big. There's like hundreds of ships and it feels like it's got scope and all that. For every one of those, there are like kind of six other episodes where it feels like three people on a on an island, on a planet full of nothing. And, and like a tiny remnant of the Empire with two walkers and, you know, no TIE fighters. That's, you know, so a lot of the time it feels so small that you feel like 
it's, it must be a challenge for them to tell the big stories all mm. the time. And I think because they have the ambition to go there, you can tell, you know, when they bring in Thrawn in significant ways and when Vader rolls up and, you know, we start kind of dealing with the big, bigger pieces that are in play. It feels as though it, it's something on more scope, but, but, you know, it's always kind of at the same time, try to run this little parallel arc. that's just about a bunch of, uh, small, smaller characters that are less significant, you know, but is it all TV like that? I mean, don't you get a lot of yeah, but I, I smaller think it's the focused. But it's because they do both, though. You know, it kind of it, you're more aware of it when they back away from the kind of galactic scope of things. You know, yeah, I think that's the way it seems to me, anyway. I don't know. You know, I mean, like generally the 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 shows that go really small, they stay small. You know, so yeah. I don't, I don't know. Well, you know, I, yeah. I sometimes you, you have the the big moments, and then a lot of times it's just those smaller moments. I, I find that's mm. consistent with a lot of television. And right. um, I, I will say this: I think Rebels looks a thousand times better now than it did when it first debuted four oh, years ago. Uh, you, yeah. you definitely see a lot of Joel Aaron's influence, especially with the fires and the the ash flying through the air and all that stuff. And just the way he lights all of these different oh, things, sure. the way he mm-hmm. lit the armor from within. Um, oh yeah. It's amazing. When, yeah, when the weapon was being used, mm-hmm. but uh, let's get into a little bit of the story itself. Uh, there in, it begins with, um, with uh, Sabine and she's mm-hmm. leading uh, members of clan Ren to go free her father. Who's been captured by the empire because of the fact that uh, the clan Ren has has uh, is not uh, playing ball with the empire at this point, and so uh, throughout the whole first half of the first episode, they only referred to Sabine's father as Sabine's father. They never yeah. gave him. So uh, we were expecting a big reveal, like this is going to be a character we all know. It's got to yeah. be Boba Fett. <laughs> well, because then you could really bring Boba Fett into the Mandalorian culture and everything. Oh. As as we know, Dave Filoni has said, George Lucas believes that Boba Fett is not Mandalorian. He's he's a clone, an unaltered clone, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. he just happens to wear that armor because his you father know what's, did. What's really weird, Jimmy, is that never even occurred to me. You know, because the, stylistically, even though you know they're, they're trying to trying to do its own unique thing it is so frequently so close to the clone wars that i get really confused about the timelines um you know obviously if i sit and think about it for a minute i'm aware of the fact that it started out about five years before the um battle of yavin but but the the um you know now it's like because we haven't seen Boba since his uh, in a long, long time, it's like I was still thinking about him as being that character that we saw in clone wars but of course if he showed up in this now he'd be a guy in his probably in his 30s or 40s right well, he would be, right? if, if he was if he was ten years old during the events of the attack of the clones. Mm-hmm. Um, those events happened approximately twenty two years prior to a new wow. hope. So yeah. yeah, so he would be thirty. Let's just mm. say he'd be around thirty yeah. years old, uh-huh. uh, probably yeah. looking good in that Mandalorian armor and mm-hmm. uh, and everything, and, and and maybe there'd be an explanation for where he's been, what his connection is to the Mandalores, why he wears that armor. We know that Jango yeah. Fett wore the armor. So that's the obvious uh, source of, of his 
preference for Mandalorian armor is he got it from Jango Fett. Again, Jango Fett, was he a Mandalorian? <laughs> These are all the crazy questions. Yeah. Well, no, no, yeah, he wasn't. He, wasn't, he was not. He was mm. not. Jango mm. Fett was not a Mandalorian because Almec said so in Clone Wars. And of course, this is every time we bring this up on the show, I always get a few emails where I see people posting things on social media <laughs> saying, what's up with Jimmy Mack and Rebel Force Radio, especially that Paul Bateman guy. Yeah, what's up with those stuff. guys? They're always saying that <laughs> Django Fett was not a Mandalorian. But uh, if you look and listen very closely to uh, audio mm. from uh, the Clone Wars, uh, you'll hear Senator Almec state that... Yeah. Jango Fett is not a Mandalorian. They don't know how he ended up with the armor, but he uh, was not one of them. Even mm. Obi-Wan Kenobi seems surprised to hear that news. Uh, yeah. And then we did confirm with Dave Filoni that that's uh, exactly what George Lucas intends, and uh, that's how they see the story. And there's no reason to think that Almec was lying or covering something up. I recently encountered a man who wore Mandalorian armor. Django Fett. Django Fett was a common bounty hunter. How he acquired that armor is beyond me. In discussions directly with George, he was very adamant about um, Django not being Mandalorian, which is the entire reason why that scene existed, that moment. Um, to have the, the specificity that Django was not Mandalorian, at least not to all mech, not to those Mandalorians. So, you know, I, I think the the assumption being when Attack of the Clones came out, um, of course, Django must be a Mandalorian because there he had the armor. But, you know, he's a bounty hunter. Bounty hunters, as we showed in the series, wear all kinds of armor. Um, of course, Boba Fett famously wearing Mandalorian armor. So you have that tradition of his father's son wearing this armor, but it doesn't speak to, like, the bigger warrior cast. Now... Django was a bounty hunter that somehow came into having that armor. Perhaps he ran for a period with Mandalorians, was adopted into that warrior culture uh, for a period and trained with them and gained greater skills at that point. I think all that's possible. But would he have a direct blood relation to that line like uh, Satine would? No. Uh -uh. He wouldn't be a warrior of that nature. You know, um, he's different. And he's not, you know, not working the most honorable profession anyway, as a warrior being uh, uh, a bounty hunter. So, you know, I hope that clears it up. Probably you'll just get more uh, mail now from this answer, and probably I'll get more questions at Comic-Con. But <laughs> It's mm. all there, except it on face value. Django Fett is not a Mando. So I yeah. thought it would be cool if they made Boba Fett Sabine's father. That would have been fun. Because I, I wouldn't have even gone there at all. I would have just been so surprised if they went there. And then you, know, you can uh, incorporate Boba Fett into the Mandalorian culture mm -hmm. on, you know, as far as canon goes, for what canon's worth these days, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, make it official. But then again, her last name would be Sabine Fett, um, well, not Ren. Uh, <laughs> but if she's from Clan Ren, maybe, you know, uh, he married a Ren. Or or had yeah. relationships with a a wren, and uh, it would so, be it would be easy to retcon, wouldn't it? Yeah, it sure. Could just be he's not he's not true Mandalorian. He's not you know, so you never lose the the Mando name or something like that. You know, it'd be so easy. Just a line would explain it away. That would have been really fun, Jimmy. That would have been that would have been fun. But the but the fun is over <clears throat> because Sabine's father is just some dude named Ulrich <laughs> Wren 
He's not I, even a, a, a warrior. He's uh he's he's the exact opposite. He's an artist. No offense, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally approved. I but she does she does say choice. she does say that he fights with his art. So mm. apparently, you know, he gets people talking by uh, creating uh, controversial works of art or artwork that makes you appreciate mm-hmm. or consider some of the uh, situations that uh, these people are going through on the planet Mandalore. Um, <laughs> for for whatever culture exists in the Mandalorian system these days, because like I said, their their planet is just this desolate rock. But again, we were made aware that the capital city is there. And again, as I said, that's the place where I believe. Now, am I right or wrong with that? Is, is, are they heading to where Sabine, or, sorry, not Sabine, Satine, mm-hmm. where her throne room was in uh, Clone Wars? When they, they were going to take him to get executed at the capital. That's, that's what I assume, Jimmy. I mean, it made, made sense to me that that would be the case. But, uh, yeah, I haven't. I yeah, haven't memorized. I, I haven't memorized all the uh, new posts that showed mm. up on StarWars.com, by yeah. the, which is the best way to get information about these episodes. There's a city mm. called Sundari, um, mm-hmm. domed. Oh, the domed capital city of the Imperial occupied Mandalore. Sundari sits in the deserts of the once green covered world. Mm. The city is, is that the one that was modeled on a trackball? George, yes, which came up with yeah, yeah, yes, crazy. So like like an old uh, George was taking inspiration from like an old missile command arcade game with the trackball, yeah, or a mouse or something, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So I, no, I, mean, I, I, was, um, I was glad glad to see Bo-Katan back too, and it's nice to hear Katie Sackoff in there. I think feel like she's one of those actors that you know brings so much of herself to to a part that it's it's quite easy to. To quickly uh, see, you know, see the cool factor because I think Katie's just cool anyway. So it's one of those things where it doesn't take long for. And this is a very short show. I think we forget that it's only twenty-two minutes long. So they accomplish such a such an enormous amount for such a short show, and we all seem to have such high expectations for it, don't we? We expect it to be, uh, you know, uh, stick to the standards of the movies and and um, advance things along as much as the film does. But you know it's so short. I mean, I, I was I was just thinking the other day that that there's I mean there's maybe like a dozen or so episodes left, like and and that's only like what five hours or something like that. Fourteen episodes so, left. It, it's a sixteen 14, episode yeah. season. So we've had two, haven't we? We've had however, two. you know, however, oh, 16, is it? we yeah. might even be able to break that all down to eight mm. one hour episodes because yeah, as Dave Filoni has shown up in. in um, uh, at panels at Star mm-hmm. Wars Celebration and other conventions, he said that this season is going to be more story arcs. It's going to be more serialized, mm-hmm. I think he said mm-hmm. was his exact right. term. It's going to be yeah. more serialized. So you'll find that one episode feeds off another, and then that one feeds mm-hmm. off the ones previous. So it'll be interesting to see if it, it is indeed going to be presented to us as like, eight one-hour chunks Mm. because we know the first half of the season is going to be presented uh, two episodes at a time. Mm. At least I think for the first three weeks, that fourth week, I'm not so sure. I always, I always feel like that there is, um, 
the the rebooted Battlestar Galactica at some point they leaked a well I don't think it was leaked it was just put out there um, a document that basically was explaining the way that they came up with the various different plot arcs for 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 every episode and it was a really interesting model because you could kind of tell that the uh, the creators of the show were basically looking to uh, dash convention they were sick of formulaic sci-fi and television and they wanted to make sure that um, the focus stayed in the right place over the course of four or five seasons so <laughs> what they would do is they would do like to try and be simple about it they'd do like a character arc for each of the kind of key characters mm-hmm. every every few episodes would be kind of like an episode arc that tells you what's kind of going down in that episode and then there'd be a whole series arc and then a complete series arc you know so each thing would get ticked and i feel like with with Rebels and with uh, Clone Wars before it, I feel because it's such a short show, they don't always seem to have the luxury of covering everything in, in one episode. But I still feel that, you know, quite often a season goes by and you think, like, you haven't touched on that, you know. And there, in the Clone Wars, it was, you know, one of my, my annoyances was the fact that they would never kind of talk about Yoda in depth. And mm-hmm. I think he got, like, an episode right at the very start and, and a couple of episodes right at the very end. But we spent kind of like five seasons or so not really talking about him. And I think with um, with a lot of these shorter shows, you feel like they have like an episode of character development and then there are tiny little things that they reveal, but they never really get into the meat and potatoes because they just haven't got room for it. And I think like w- when it comes to, uh, to a season finale, I, I almost feel like you need to kind of look at what's coming ahead and prioritise. And I'm, I'm, you know, this feels like, they're dealing with the Sabine stuff and I'm expecting that we'll get a few episodes that deal with Zeb stuff and, mm-hmm. and each character will hopefully get um, a nice spot in the sun. But, but uh, you know, then there are other things that, you know, I know you've said a few times, Jimmy, that um, about Thrawn that you feel is maybe a little underused and that he could be used better perhaps as a, as a more significant villain. And, um, but they have so, so little space now. You, I, I kind of feel like get on with it, you know, like let show me some real, Get really deep about the stuff that matters as quickly as you possibly can because you've only got X amount of space. And I really hope there aren't any filler episodes this season, which I don't think there will be. I think they've definitely got their eye on the finale and and making a big deal out of it. And it feels as though they're quickly going to get us to Yavin 4 and hurry up and make that connection with the movies in some way, like super, super early on. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's a good sign. Well, we see, I, I, we see Yavin in the, the preview yeah. for next week, really – Great yeah. sequence uh, they showed on uh, StarWars.com on the Star Wars show. Or no, it was on uh, Rebels Recon. I'm sorry. Uh, mm. the, on StarWars.com on Rebels Recon, they showed a clip from next week featuring mm. Hera crash landing a Y-Wing right outside yeah. the Gavin Temple. And that I was thinking, looks oh, just unbelievably cool. I, oh, I love it. There's something, was... something about this season. And the action sequences, I can tell mm. just right out of the right out of the gate well, with, yeah. the, with Heroes from Mandalore, some of the mm. best animated action sequences we've ever seen from Star Wars. Uh, that's the sequence with the uh, the troop transports traveling yeah. over the Mandalore um, and uh, the, 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 with the, the speeder bikes and the, the nods to Indiana Jones, to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, did you get that? When you were watching that, when when Ezra went underneath, oh totally, yeah, 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 lots lots of that. I mean, you just felt like he was going to do the whole tank thing of going off the edge, and you know, like, yeah, like <laughs> definitely, the, definitely like a big too, indie yeah. nod for sure. I mean, I, I kind of feel like, I mean, what what 
you know, what would be your focus this season, Jimmy? I mean, I look at it and kind of think like, you know, I'm glad that the Dark Sabre thing is kind of resolved. That felt like an important thing. And I felt as though Bo-Katan was the right person to get it. Somehow she felt like she has, you know, there's more of a justification for her being the the, the heroine in that situation than Sabine, I think. And uh, I think it, it it made sense to me. I think if Sabine had suddenly been turned into this William Wallace character, it would have felt strange. Whereas you feel as though... Bo-Katan really was the right rightful kind of character to to take that forward. It felt like much more believable, and I could buy that she was going to be the leader of the, the Mandalorians and all that. So I almost feel like I don't know if they're just going to leave that now and we're just going to be left to guess what happens next because I just think, well, they've got to kind of cover so much. Is that is that it for the Mandos? Do you think they'll be back? Do you, I mean, or do you think it, Sabine will be it? Do you think she'll be the only person that fills us in on what's going down with the Mandos. What, what do you think? Do you think the... I would be interested... I would be interested to see how the Mandalorian relationship with the Rebellion grows. Right. Because if the planet is going to be under the rule of Bo-Katan mm. and the clans will be united under her rule, mm. then they will definitely be fighting against the Empire. So it would yeah. only be natural to see the Mandalorians hook up mm. with the Rebellion. Mm-hmm. So that's the only thing I could think of where we could take this story now. Mm. That's the I only don't... thing. I mean, and we don't know. I mean, if everything's going to be all wrapped up in a nice little bow, everyone mm. says, yeah, we're with you, and all the Mandalorian clans are united. Uh, we don't mm. know. Bo-Katan could be facing an uphill struggle trying to unite all those clans, and then war will break out again. It seems like that is kind of the way things go in the Mandalorian system, that peace is never an option. Civil war is the only constant, with the houses, yeah. the clans going against each other the enemy of my enemy is my friend yeah because they will be fighting against the empire remember the house saxon is still part Mm. of the empire uh so i I imagine (laughs) that kind of civil war will continue on mandalore it always slightly freaks me out this house saxon because i've got a lot of saxons in in my family like my my cousins and uncles and stuff are all saxons it's got weird so for you it's like hearing you know Jimmy Max all over the place in the show. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's actually, right. but right. I, I like the like. It reminds me a little bit of um, if you start getting into into ancient Irish law and you know the the whole thing with the Irish chieftains is that like you would walk ten miles and there'd be another king, you know. <laughs> so like they could never make their minds up about about who the king of Ireland was because there were too many of them. There's like a few hundred, and they're always fighting amongst themselves. That was that was you know, part of what makes the, the really kind of ancient Irish history so kind of amusing and, um, you know, but, but interesting. And so the, the Mandalorians in a way kind of remind me of that, you know, the kind of Celtic clans and, and, uh, all the infighting and stuff like that. It's really, it's entertaining to sort of think about them not really working things out very easily. And, and, you know, nobody can decide who the top dog is and it all kind mm-hmm. of makes sense, but <clears throat> I don't know. It just, I think, it all felt like the the Mandos and the history and stuff. It's always felt so distant from the original movies. It was almost like, you know, when they were talking about when Obi Wan's talking about, um, you know, I, I I fought the Clone Wars alongside your father, blah blah blah, and that the Clone Wars felt like, you know, 
a good 50 years ago or something because of the way he talks about it it feels mythological it feels like an ancient tale like in the telling it doesn't it doesn't feel like something that just happened yesterday you know and i think the same goes for for the mando i think i always got that impression that they were wiped out a long time ago in a huge huge battle that was always the impression that, that i got so it's surprising that you know so close to the original movie they're still you know their their fate is still to be decided and uh but then i guess like i was saying earlier jimmy it's just it's a bigger universe and i think we often acknowledge and that they can still be out there somewhere it's just nobody's talking about them or maybe the you know maybe the planet gets totaled and they're they're gone but i don't know they feel like such a significant part of star wars that we ought to find out what the deal is beyond what we've seen now but at the same time you know maybe not at the expense of uh seeing how the key characters stories play out you know, I mean, I feel, I feel like there's a lot to say about Ezra yet, and there's a lot to say about Kanan and uh, well, uh, I mean, the, something the, they've the gotten but... something they've grown away from talking about very much is the spirituality of Star Wars, the the Force yeah. and the lessons mm-hmm. that Kanan was passing on to Ezra and Ezra's yeah. growth as a, a Force uh-huh. user. What shocked me in this episode shocked me, Paul. I'm telling you, I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was uh, it was a uh, at the very beginning of the first episode as Ezra was messing around with the Mando backpack, Sabine referred to him as a Jedi. What's wrong with you? I, I wish I had more practice with this jetpack. You're a Jedi. I'm sure you'll pick it up on the fly. She's like, "You're a Jedi. You yeah. figured out." I, I I couldn't help but saying to my television set, "Hey, no, it's not. Since when did he become a Jedi?" I guess she's been flipping. You know, I mean, they're already starting to be a scarce thing. So maybe she's just, it's already turning into a, a name that's kind of not legendary, but kind of, uh, well, as if you if, as if you, you would actually be one. You know, it feels almost like calling somebody a knight nowadays, you know, like, you're like, oh, clearly they're not really, you know, but it, it's just a phrase you use, like, almost in mockery. She's almost knocking him for not being, isn't she? Well, I guess so, with so few Force users left in the galaxy. Right? You yeah. Know, you just say, hey, you can, you can you know, move a cup across the table. He's a Jedi. What, you know? it, was not, it was nice to see Kanan uh, finally getting some action. You, you felt like he had a moment to shine. You, you know, where uh, he, A couple was, of them. Yeah, when he was fighting on, on board of the troop transports and everything, which I'm, I'm always, it's always nice to see those, you know. Yes, uh, great turn stuff. Up. I, like, I like those. And, and, um, he had some that, attitude, too, when the troopers yeah. came into that computer room and mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they busted through the door and they said, hey, don't move. And he's like, oh, I'll move. He lit up yeah. the lightsaber. <laughs> he ignited the saber. Yeah. Oh, I'm moving, pal. Uh, you know, it was. I, I enjoyed that very much. Yeah. I almost kind of feel as though a lot of stuff has been hinted at and you kind of think, okay, okay, come on then, bring it, you know. And I think with with him, you, you feel like, I don't know, for, for me, I kind of feel like Kanan needs some kind of validation because he, he almost seems to have spent most of the of, of the episodes, you know, there's a lot of self-loathing for Kanan, I feel like. He, he doesn't feel like he's authentic somehow, like mm-hmm. he doesn't feel like he's actually a Jedi. And in a lot of ways, he isn't, you know. And uh, But at the same time, He's kind of earned that label like now, certainly after four seasons of Rebels, you kind of feel as though he's he's as close as that you, as you get to that in this era, probably. This, you know, apart from a couple of other characters, and um, so you kind of feel like he he needs to have his chance to be the sort of you know the the Jedi that he wishes to be. You know that he, he deserves to be a tough guy and and be a be a Kenobi or a 
yeah, one of these are the people that were supposedly going to teach him in the future, but he never got the opportunity, you know. And and but with Ezra, the the thing about Ezra is like we've had all these hints about him having that kind of dark side potential and and uh, you know sort of walking close to the edge and and all that. And I feel like they've completely backed away from that plot. Where and I, I don't see as they've got room to really kind of play that game with us now. You kind of feel like there are so few episodes. You know, if 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 they dance that dance, it's got to be across kind of maybe two episodes at most, where it's like, oh, has Ezra still got the dark side in him? No, he hasn't. You know, or or yes, he has, and that's game over for Ezra. Ezra, but you feel like, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, am I wrong in expecting all these characters to kind of get tied up nice and neat and? Uh, you know conclusions for all of these characters i feel like it's beyond like just the show kind of concluding wrapping up sensibly i feel like each of these characters have conclusions of their own individually that i'm i'm hoping for and kind of expecting is that what do you think that's well you know i mean obviously we're seeing sabine's story Mm. find some resolution at the very least yeah. Um, you know, uh, we meet her father. We uh, discover what this weapon is that she's mm-hmm. been flogging herself over for years. I, I still don't understand uh, the nature of how she created it. She left her family yeah. because uh, differences with her mother. And uh, so she joined the Imperial Academy. And in the Academy, uh, someone challenged her to create a weapon that would wipe out Mandalorians. And so she jumped at the, <laughs> at the, at yeah. the concept of doing it, created a weapon that is um, sensitive to a particular alloy within the Mandalorian armor and uh it cooks the wearer from inside yeah. out um Didn't I make you kind of really question like why would she do that ever? why I mean, why would why? she I mean, ever do that i mean i know that she's kind of meant to be a genius and uh top of the class and all that but you think well she couldn't have been that smart if she was prepared to you know mess around with something that could potentially kill everybody that she knows on the planet but she and I mean, she that's... passes it off as just an indiscretion right? of youth i was yeah, young I mean, so I'm I mean, sorry, but, you know, that's yeah, just... I'm sorry I invented the atom bomb, but it was, you know, it was, <laughs> it was, it was a lot of competition going on. Yeah. <laughs> I got excited. <laughs> Too young to uh, think rationally, but old enough to be able to create a super weapon. Um, so uh, the weapon yeah. is revealed. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were speculating that the weapon she had worked on was uh, had something to do with the Death Star. Mm. Um, you know, tied yeah, it to Rogue kind of One that. or something, but uh, mm. no, that didn't happen. It, it was a, a thing known as the uh, the device. It's called the the Duchess. Uh, which, yeah, another nod to the Clone Wars, and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I really enjoyed the fact that Bo Katan took some offense to hearing what the name of the weapon was. <laughs> I thought at some point somebody was going to say like, "Don't tase me, don't tase you know, me, bro." But, yeah, but no, no, didn't happen. Didn't happen. But yeah, mm-hmm. it did. It did act like a, a taser, like mm. they were getting. I did, don't you think it, it sort of had yeah, when, when it was on that stun setting they had it on. Mm. Um, and then I she, really like that that groovy new walker they had as a delivery system. I thought it looked pretty cool. The uh, you know with a little bit ADDP, I think it's called right, um, something like that. The at tap at dap. Um, I. <laughs> Right. Uh, you know, I would say pay no attention to me, but Rolls we are talking in a microphone, so I guess people are. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so. Uh, it looked really cool. I liked it a lot. I mean, you can tell yeah. it was kind of derived from, you know, some Joe sketches, but I, I like what they did with it. Like, all, those, all that stuff on either side of the head and stuff. It looked really cool. 
It did. It did. That that was uh, very cool. Um, that whole sequence where he, all the uh, mandos got fried. Uh, yeah, I thought that was right? that was some of Sabine's best moments in the entire <laughs> series. I think, um, without question, I, I thought uh-huh. that uh, that whole sequence was really cool. And it all, everything just began to add up. You know, you, you see. The only thing that didn't add up for me was, but I mean, I suppose these characters can't see into the future, but but like the moral ambiguity of it, the fact that they're, they're saying, you know, we can't kill people this way is, an, is a noble thing. But I think by this point, they kind of pretty much understand that the Empire is bad news and they're going to kill billions of people. So maybe like a tool that could actually like stop them from doing that might be a really good idea, however noble it might be. You know what I mean? Because when you think about it, Every person that's been killed before, you know, like after that point onwards, you know, that's been then wiped out by the Empire, that could have been prevented by using that tool to just wipe out any Imperial garrison on every planet that they they wheel it off to, you know. So you kind of feel as though, you know, Luke's aunt and uncle and what have you wouldn't have got it if that if that weapon had been out there, kind of targeting stormtroopers everywhere they could, you know. So. Don't you think? Like, yeah, and if Sabine has access to this sort of, uh, yeah, you know, technology and the skills to to build it and program it on the fly like she did, mm-hmm. um, but you think she would share that information with the rebellion? Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's you know, I mean, I remember years ago we were talking about the pacifism debate with um, with Kyle on on, on uh, the Clone Wars. And, you know, something that I very much kind of agree with and understand. But in this instance, you kind of think it's not about pacifism so much as like, well, these guys over there are like annihilating everybody because they've got an edge, like in terms of technology and everything else. Like, why would you throw away your edge? It just doesn't make any sense, you know, to me. But I mean, I, I get the the idea of it's it's not a noble way of annihilating the enemy, you know, for and especially for the Mandos who are all about that, you know. But at the same time, it's like, what makes it noble to throw away your weapon and just like stand by and watch this this empire kind of destroy everybody? So it doesn't feel like very well thought out. You could kind of forgive her. I mean, I suppose Sabine is very young, isn't she? So you know, you could just put it down to her not being very bright. But yeah, but <laughs> she's not. but she's obviously very bright because she's able to create yeah. these weapons well, of mass destruction. She might be great with tech, but otherwise, like a bit dim, you know. <laughs> There are people like that, aren't they? They say Einstein didn't know how to shave his own face, so it's still, you know. <laughs> okay, hey, so you're an artist, Paul. Mm. And at one point in this episode, Sabine's mm. father offers her some critique about her artwork. Your artwork. You've progressed. Your use of color and line is better. Better? What do you mean, better? It's great. <laughs> and Sabine yeah. didn't want to hear anything about it. She thinks everything she does is great. Yeah, uh-huh. Is that healthy for an artist to act that way? Or, I mean, that is how most artists act. Aren't, I mean, it's also personal, right? And yeah. if somebody's going to critique your artwork, do you, is it normal for artists, in, in your opinion, to to take such d- a defensive stance? Oh yeah, it totally is. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I mean, I I think as you get older, it's like you know, it's good to just not give a hoot. But but yeah, very definitely. I think I think when you you 
you know, if you put your heart and soul into your artwork and you try and you damnedest to make something look good. I mean, the example I always I always give to people about the wrong way to to encourage an artist is, I remember my dad uh, painting a uh, an oceanscape and it was quite a challenge, you know, with like ships and boats and and uh, huge waves and all that. Quite a challenge to kind of paint. And it was, t- to be honest, it was something he was really struggling with. And he, he said to my mum, like, yeah, so what do you think? What do you think? And she just went, the horizon doesn't go uphill, you know? Oh. <laughs> and that was it. It was like threw his brush down and he fucked up a cigarette. <laughs> and it, was, it was done for the day. It was like, right, next painting, uh-huh, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah, you got to be careful with criticism and artists. I think, you know, it's like the right amount at the right time, you know, and uh, you got to protect their ego. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, delicate things. Burning through this episode, uh, mm. to me, there's a lot to like in it. Again, uh, Admiral Thrawn, a little underused. You know, he makes his cameo. Did um, he even speak? I don't know. Did he speak this episode? I mean, oh, yeah. He, oh, sure he did. He sure spoke he a little did. bit. He, he had um, a holographic, holographic communication with mm. uh, Tiber Saxon, mm. and um, where, where he uh, tells him he needs to uh, get more information about the super weapon. He calls him out. Mm. because of the limited range of the weapon. And mm. he calls him out saying, well, you don't understand the technology. You have to go get its creator and make her show you. And that creator yeah. is, of course, Sabine. So that's what gave uh, Saxon his, his mission, to, to track mm. down Sabine and uh, extract information from her about this uh, weapon, which uh, you know he was able to build based on information she left behind. Mm. She thought she had destroyed all the information, but apparently she left some behind and he was able to take that and make a version of the weapon that wasn't as powerful as it should be. Didn't have Mm. the range. And, uh, so that's, uh, that's why. Do you you think that, sorry, Jimmy, do you think they're going to go there again? Like before the season's out and, and wipe out the mandos? Do you think they might do that? Well, I think so. I think a few things could happen here. The Mandals will just wipe themselves out because mm-hmm. it seems like that's the direction they're heading in. If they continue to mm-hmm. fight amongst themselves, mm-hmm. having the Empire occupy their planet and their system obviously mm-hmm. makes things even worse. So mm-hmm. either you align yourself with the Empire or you... And, and you even saw Saxon, his right-hand man, was kind of questioning... Their mm-hmm. efforts say, well, what is, what's going to keep the Empire from using this weapon on all Mandalorians, including us? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Saxon is too filled with power to even consider that. Um, so uh, she's able to use the weapon on him. Tell me, wh- where do we leave off with Tiber Saxon? Does, does, does he... he? He's just going to get sapped. But she said, you're not zapped. dead, didn't she? So Okay, so she, she let him live. Yeah, that's right. That's when the, the moral question about the weapon mm-hmm. came up and did so it, did, uh, was that where he ended up i don't know she she didn't shoot him after that did she i don't remember i don't remember it's either i'm gonna days. have to refer to uh yeah to uh starwars.com to uh check out their <laughs> their episode gallery She's which demise. always helps me remember i uh, think you know this is a a, a two-part episode so uh, mm. uh a lot's happening here and uh and, and the, Did, the final fate of Tiber Saxon kind of slipped through my fingers, even oh, though yeah, I watched too. the episode twice. But I believe, yeah, I, I believe she lets him walk away from that. Hmm. But at the end of the episode, the goals that Sabine 
had established for herself when she arrived on Mandalore in season three and mm-hmm. reunited with her family. She stayed behind and let the crew of the ghosts go off to fight the rebellion. But Sabine stayed behind so she can do what she can to find a ruler for Mandalore to help unite the clans, mm. which she did in this episode, by giving Bo-Katan the confidence to take the Darksaber and lead their people. So mm. tick that off the box. And the other one was to find her father. Yeah. Tick that off the box. So, so she's, she's kind of had a happy ending of sorts, isn't she? Yeah. So she's accomplished mm. what she set out to do mm. when she went back to Mandalore. Mm-hmm. You know, she faced her demons. She tried mm-hmm. to right her wrongs and uh, correct things for not only herself, but for her people, her family, her planet. So mm-hmm. she's achieved a lot. And uh, so now where do we leave off with her? She, there's two things she can do. She can stick around on Mandalore and mm-hmm. help unite those people even further and uh, fight the Empire there in that system. Or mm-hmm. she can go back with Kanan, Ezra, Chopper, reunite with Hera and the Rebellion, and mm-hmm. fight the battle on those terms. So what do you think she's going to do? Is she going to continue to stick around on Mando, or is she going to hook up with the Rebellion? It's tricky to know, isn't it? Are they, are they going to give them all... You know, a fond farewell at the end with a team kind of is all together, or are they going to gradually tick people off as we kind of unfold down to that dovetail with the original trilogy? So, my guess would be um, Sabine left once and said her goodbyes already. So, I have a feeling that maybe she'll stay on uh, with the Mandos. I think that she'll, you know, I think if, if we see her, I don't think it'll be for very long. I think she'll. You know, I think that that's a concern now, isn't it? A family and a planet and the government. And, you know, that's kind of front and centre for Sabine. So even though she's passed the sword on, I don't think she's she's done with that sort of thing. And it feels as though that's kind of where she belongs, back with her family and uh, living that life. But I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think are the biggest kind of unresolved threads in Rebels, Jimmy? Do you feel like... You know, there's stuff that needs to be answered, or can yes. we can they can they be quite superficial about it in terms of just having all the good guys on the ship and the good guys survive, or the you know, will get caught up in the in the battle and go up in a blaze of glory or whatever. I mean, it, what are the biggest questions for you? Is there anything that you can think? I really want to know how that turns out, or you know, well, obviously the relationship with uh, Kanan and Ezra, as far mm. as being you know Jedi and Padawan or the equivalent of that during mm-hmm. these dark times. Um, I, I hate the fact that Ezra's training has really been pushed to the back burner. Yeah. Um, the goal to keep the Jedi religion and faith alive really does fall more on Yoda, Obi-Wan and Luke Skywalker than it yeah. ever, ever would Kanan and Ezra. So mm-hmm. maybe, Maybe the uh, the storytellers over there uh, decided that that was just an uphill climb, and they should back off of that a little bit. I don't yeah, know. I, don't I know. mean, with the proclamation by one character to another, you know, saying you know, Sabine calling Ezra a Jedi, mm. boy, that's that's just kind of a loose usage of that label. Because remember when Luke tried to 
refer to himself as a Jedi in yeah. the original trilogy during the events of uh, Return of the Jedi, Yoda laughed in his face. Then I am a Jedi. <laughs> Not yet. He laughed at him. <laughs> he said, I am a Jedi. <laughs> Yoda was laughing so hard. <laughs> so, so yeah. it's, 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 Poor Luke. We've he, never... went off and he, he went off in a sulk and just threw rocks at trees, didn't he? He's like, a little green git. <laughs> However, <laughs> considering <laughs> what Ezra's been through, <laughs> and he's been through a lot, you know, um, yeah. you know that big showdown with Darth Maul and the, the mm-hmm. Inquisitors and being tempted to the dark side and uh, the, the holocron and everything else. I mean, he certainly has gone through... I don't know if you would call them the trials, as they've been mm. referred to. You know, when a when a, a Padawan really passes into knighthood, they go through the trials. Do you There's, think he's gone? Through, do you think he's gone through more than Luke did? Because I mean, Luke didn't spend a long time with Yoda, did he? Really? So surely Ezra is as much of a Jedi as Luke qualifies to be, don't you think? Yeah, but Ezra is not the son of the chosen one. Yeah, I suppose that's a fair distinction. Yeah, I think that's I the biggest distinction. But I, I always think as well, like it must have been so hard for Luke because what we didn't see was all the all the scenes where Yoda's backwards backwards speak is making Luke really confused. So he's wait, like, so we I should do that, and he's like, no, you shouldn't do that, and it's like. Well, can you not just say everything in the right order for a bit while you're teaching me? Because it's getting really confusing. I'm only here for six months. Luke takes you know? it personally. He yeah, took right? it the way Yoda speaks. Luke takes it personally. This well, guy's messing with me. He's like, I can tell you, like, 800 years old, you're probably not going to be around for very long. Could you maybe just, like, talk like normal people? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's a very interesting question you bring up, though. Has mm. Ezra gone through more than Luke? And well, I would say yes. Yes, he it has. It has to be, right? I mean, Luke definitely didn't have years with Yoda, did he? So No, but, then, but Luke know. did spend... He did spend a considerable amount of time fighting on the side of the rebellion uh-huh. during those years. And you don't know yeah. how much he was actually mm-hmm. communing with the spirit mm-hmm. of Obi-Wan. Yeah. Um, Do we I, assume that that's the case? I don't Jay, think, you know what? Think? I don't think Luke spent any time communicating with Obi-Wan during that period. I think this, <laughs> he, heard, he heard Obi-Wan's voice that uh-huh. one time he blew up the Death Star. Remember yeah. that one time? When I blew uh-huh. up the Death Star, I heard Obi-Wan's voice. But in that period, uh, in that three-year <laughs> period, really. that three-year yeah. period, I don't think he saw Obi-Wan. I don't think he communicated with Obi-Wan until he was lying there uh-huh. on Death's door in the snow yeah. of Hoth. And, That's uh, convenient, isn't it? It's like, where have you been? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you show up now? It's for years, and you just show up when I'm nearly dead. Really? Is that what it takes? This I mean, is I, when I, you need me the most, Luke. <laughs> You have to understand. I was trying to get those, that pickle jar open last year, and you could have helped me then, man. Where were you? But uh, I think, like, it throws up an interesting question because it's understood that Qui-Gon was the first to kind of conquer that corporeal kind of rift, if you like, and uh, come back. But you do sort of think that that's not uh, – it's a long way from being normal. So, So how could Luke even talk to anybody around him about it? You do sort of think that after after uh, a new hope at the end, did he go back and say, "You're not going to believe this, but I heard like Ben Kenobi in my ear, and he told me what to do and everything, and it really worked." I mean, surely because that never happens, everybody was just kind of go, 
Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think he kept it to himself. He's a nut job. <laughs> like, you know, don't promote this guy for a while. It's a bit weird. His voice is in his head and he really believes it. And everybody just kind of cuts him a break because he blew the Death Star up. But secretly, everybody's a bit worried about him because he's a bit weird. You know? That could be. Because his, his voice is in his head. He hears Obi-Wan's <laughs> voice. You know, the Force will mm. be with you always. It's a and- good question, too. If it was years, I mean, what would he think? Would he think like, oh, I just heard a voice in my head and, you know, my mind plays tricks on me? Or would he Would he, Would he? he know? Would he go, no, that was definitely Obi-Wan. You know, that was definitely the spirit of Obi-Wan visiting me. Luke, don't right? tell anyone <laughs> that I talked to you. Mm. You did not hear this from me, <laughs> Luke. <laughs> ben! <laughs> But don't you think ben! Like, oh, sorry. Thing too would be like, like surely everywhere he went, like beyond the John, would he be like looking over his shoulder, like oh, waiting for waiting for that voice to turn on when he least expects it, you know? Luke, <laughs> Ben, be sure to wash your hands before you handle food products, Luke. Maybe that's why ben. he ended up without without a girlfriend for like forty years, because it's just it feels like everyone's watching over his shoulder all the time. Oh. You reckon? Could be. Right? A a gentleman would pick up the check after dinner, Luke. (laughs) You should pay for the dinner, Luke. Yeah. Oh, no. I don't know. (laughs) Ben! This is costing me a fortune! (laughs) But I I think Luke kept it to himself. And I think he meditated on the fact that he had heard Ben's voice. And, uh, but I, his training as a Jedi didn't really kick in until he got to Dagobah. Now, he did discover how to use telekinesis to, yeah. to draw his lightsaber to him. So he obviously did progress with his, his knowledge and usage of the Force in that three-year period following the destruction of the Death Star and the Battle of Hoth. He obviously progressed. Yeah. But... It it kind of feels like he either read a lot of books, you know, which isn't probably the... I mean, maybe he got off to a good enough start that that would be enough. Read a lot of books? Like how-to books? (laughs) Luke, you will go to the public library. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure the Empire would have... gone out of their way to destroy any sort of but, Jedi but propaganda the, history. There's got to be some reason why he's, he, you know, he got to the standard that he did with only a short I know, I know he's the kind of the son of the chosen one and everything, but but it, it's, it's uh, or in my book he, you know, he was the chosen one but, but you know, even with that, I mean, I think we might find out down the road, because I don't think they're done with Yoda yet. I think Yoda's going to come back in spirit form at some point. If not in the next movie, I think eventually he'll, 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 he'll feature in the story. So I don't think we've heard the last about, you know, necessarily this this part of the story. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if we end up with some, you know, uh, explanation like Yoda somehow was able to transfer ability to Luke or, you know, had some way of... of uh, escalating his teachings that that maybe would mean that you know Ezra to get us back on topic I suppose you know wouldn't wouldn't get similarly trained he wouldn't have the same you know power and because he's he's not got a, a teacher of the same standard you know 
So I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to sort of see Ezra as being superior to Luke in that department. And uh, I mean, maybe maybe I'm overthinking it, and it should just be as simple as well. Luke's got a ton of midichlorians, and Ezra maybe has a lot less, you know. And it wouldn't matter if he got taught all his life; it wouldn't make him Luke, you know. I don't know. You have me you really think? thinking. You have me thinking really hard right now on what the future has in store for the crew of the Ghost. I think. Yeah. I think. Kanan will not survive Star Wars Rebels. I think we'll see him die in a very with a very her- mm. heroic gesture. Yeah, I think it's likely. Ezra's the confusing one to me because mm. this is a show that's on the Disney Channel and he is an adolescent. <laughs> yeah. So mm. I don't think they're going to kill off Ezra. I think maybe Ezra will go through some sort of he'll go through some sort of traumatic event that will strip him of his connection to the Force. His ability to use the Force will be stripped from him, and he'll have to walk away, much like Ahsoka did. Right. You know. Maybe it won't be so dramatic as him walking down the steps with with sad music playing, but (laughs) I mean, he'll he'll Mm. he'll find himself. At a disadvantage, he'll become handicapped. His connection to the force will be severed somehow. Perhaps, perhaps, yeah. perhaps in the events that end up wiping out Kanan. So that's that's my prediction. Kanan will die as a hero. Mm-hmm. Ezra will go through a traumatic event, which will strip him of his ability to tap into the force. Mm-hmm. Sabine will serve at Bo-Katan's side in the Mandalorian system. Mm. And uh, Hera will stick around with the Rebellion Chopper will be with the Rebellion Zeb will return to his people The people he connected Mm. with I I believe it was season one of Rebels Yeah When he connected with the other Lasats Mm. Mm -hmm. And that was a very spiritual journey for Zeb So Mm. I believe I believe he'll heed the call Of his religion And return to his people his people mm-hmm. who are very difficult to contact, right? Don't mm-hmm. you have to go through a, a, like a wormhole or something? Yeah, and you have like to have weird. some sort of crazy staff or something. It, it's like <laughs> a, a, a really yeah. weird thing. So he'll become isolated with the other Lasats. Mm. Zeb will be gone. Chopper and Hera will stick around with the Rebellion. Because obviously we know Hera is with the Rebellion. We hear her name being called over the PA in Rogue One. We mm-hmm. see Chopper. Sabine will go back and stay with the Mandalorians if she doesn't stay there already. We might leave her behind. But mm-hmm. I, I, I doubt it. I think Sabine will. Maybe Sabine will show up at a battle with the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. And that's how they make their entrance into the Rebellion. Yeah. I think we're get, definitely going to get a major, major battle, aren't we? It's mm-hmm. bound to happen at the end of end of uh, this season. But I, I kind of, you know, I already felt like we might not see any more of Sabine till the last kind of couple of episodes. So I'm almost surprised that they took it this far, you know, with them having so many other things to tie up. But so I, I think you're probably right. I think um, Kanan's probably going to buy the, bite the dust. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure how that would work with like. You know, with um, Ezra using losing his power, but I mean, I, I have no idea. Find, I have no I, it idea. Would, it, it would be it would be cool. I mean, I could see like maybe 
Ezra taking his powers from him somehow, but I don't know if that's quite a big thing to establish as like you know a possibility that a super Jedi or somebody with a lot of midichlorians can just have it kind of taken from them, you know. But then maybe that's maybe that's possible. Well, you know, we we are we are in an era where the dark side is messing with everything, especially the Jedi's ability to tap into the Force. Mm. So you'd have to imagine that Ezra's ability to tap into Force might be actually minuscule. And the Mm. only reason that he's able to tap into the Force is because of the presence of Kanan. Yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe together Mm. they're Mm -hmm. able to bring the Force out of Ezra. But with Kanan removed from the picture... Maybe Ezra sees his ability to tap into the Force diminish. Yeah. I I, mean, I could see them kind of finding a plot thread that just basically means, like, shock or some kind of drama might be enough for him to just not feel it, and they wouldn't explain it. You know, like, losing losing Kanan might be enough for him to suddenly kind of go, wait, I don't feel the Force. You know, like, the impact of it or the way he's killed or whatever is enough to... Yeah. somehow somehow wipe his powers you know so so yeah i'd go along with that i think i'm you know i totally agree kane is probably going to bite the dust i think ezra yeah he'll either lose his powers or he'll, or he'll vanish somehow we'll get rid of him but he's, he won't be around and i think you're right i think hera who for me is the one character that i connect to out the whole show she's the, the one character i kind of really want you know things to work out for and it's nice in a way to know that she's about during the period of rogue one anyway um, so, you know, it would seem that her story is going to continue and, and, uh, she's, she's going to survive, but, uh, I think you're right. I think Zeb has to vanish too. I think I don't, you know, I don't see him, you know, turn up on one of the movies or, or, or what have you. But I mean, it, the, the, the big question of course is, is Thrawn. I mean, what are they going to do with him? I mean, presumably he's going to be hot, be behind this, you know, this battle that we have for further down the, down the line. So is he going to? Is he going to die in that battle, or is or are they going to keep him afloat for for further movies? Because he's quite a significant character, even though obviously you know the the whole legends thing means that a lot of this, the tales that that you know everybody um, associates with the character are not really canon anymore. So so it's now kind of rebels in the two new books that uh, that tell his tale. But do you think they're going to wipe him out, or uh, do you think they'll have to kind of keep him alive? What do you think? No, I think I think he'll be just fine. Uh, he'll get uh, he'll he'll have his victories and he'll have his mm. losses and uh-huh. uh, maybe we'll see him have to retreat from something. You think they'll leave him in play? Really? You think like he was around when Star Wars, you know, Star Wars and Empire and all that? You think you think Thrawn was in the universe back then? Well, what the word was that he was always out in the uh, wild mm. uh, areas of the galaxy that were unexplored yeah, uh, you know the, out, the wild the regions out in the sticks mm-hmm. yeah you know. so uh, mm-hmm. m- maybe they'll incorporate that into mm-hmm. his story maybe he'll yeah. maybe it'll be as a result of him letting the rebels escape and the emperor then is displeased mm-hmm. and sends him packing to the unknown regions as mm-hmm. a punishment He'll have to. He'll probably do something along those lines. I think, but I'd hate to see them kill him off in Rebels, uh, especially knowing what we know of his story beyond Return of the Jedi. And like you said, 
according to uh, the way things are going right now, those stories aren't necessarily canon, but yeah. I can, I still consider them to be, they, they still fit in, in my personal canon. And, mm. and, and, and I think he, he is a valuable character and I think he's one that should be exploited a little bit more and not killed mm. off mm-hmm. in the animated show. Well, well, you know what? That's going to wrap it up. Uh, There's two episodes worth, and uh, so I think we're giving you two episodes worth of uh, commentary here on Mm -hmm. uh, Star Wars Rebels The Classified. Uh, Great to get the show back on the air. Uh, I miss talk having our weekly discussions about uh, Star Wars Rebels, and uh, looking forward to uh, cruising through the rest of the season, the final season of Rebels. And and that weighs heavily on me as I watch these first two episodes. You know, as I said mm-hmm. in our intro, th- this is the beginning of the end, at least mm-hmm. for the rebels. We know the story itself is vast in the saga. Didn't you feel like you know when we had those Vader episodes way back, and then all of a sudden the the ghost became part of the rebel fleet? Yes, and you felt like now it feels like a show that deserves to be called Rebels. And um, I, I kind of half expected that we'd get more and more of that as time goes on. And this feels like a really early episode of Rebels to me. It feels like it's just about the crew of the Ghost. And uh, although, you know, Sabine and the Mandos feature heavily, it still kind of feels like like quite an early ep. And um, I'm, I'm itching for them to get to that point where it's we're black back with a fleet. It's the biggest story. And... Uh, you know that, that we start dealing with the kind of like the the larger players in this mix. I'm I'm keen to see something happen with Thrawn. I'm keen to see Vader back in the in the story. You know, I, I want them to kind of get to the rebellion proper as I would see it. I know that Dave would probably argue that rebellion's about more than that. Ragtag fleet. It's also about the individuals that are off in various different distinct corners of the universe. But I think there isn't a Star Wars fan out there that isn't thinking Rebels is the fleet like from Return of the Jedi you know it's not a ship in that gang it's kind of like yeah they are rebels but you know I think that it sets a high expectation when it comes to this show I think in terms of you know what we previously understood to be the rebellion you know and I think I think uh, it needs to get bigger before we get to the end I think it, even now I'm expecting that to happen I think I'm with you, you. Think, Jimmy, I'm with you I'd happen? like to see I'd like to see the rebellion all working together, like we saw yeah. them doing during the Battle of Hoth. You know, yeah. give us some some battle sequences like that. Let, yeah, you know, think, still think early. Big and bold. And then again, on the more personal level, I would like to see the relationship between Kanan and Ezra and his growth in uh, being mm-hmm. trained in the Jedi arts. I'd like to see that continue. I, you know, it it really hasn't been propelled at all. In the storyline since the showdown with Darth Maul, no, um, I don't think it has. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not even talking about that final showdown in the desert. To me, is Ezra was being tempted by the dark side. I really mm. thought the show was going to go in some compelling areas, and then that all just sort of fell right off the table, mm. and the show shifted its focus to Sabine and the Mandos. And uh, unfortunately, I felt like we'd been down that path before. Um, with the Mandalorians, and uh, I, I have to admit, I was really happy to see 
how the Mandalorian clans were being uh, portrayed in this season mm. opening two-parter. I thought mm-hmm. it was some of the better Mandalorian stories to be told in Star Wars animation ever. Definitely. So um, my fears about too much is a good thing when it comes to the Mandalorians. That was pushed aside by the quality of this story and uh, the way Sabine was incorporated into it all. I mm. find that I actually like where the character is going. I would mm. like to see some more personal growth with Sabine, a little less flippancy. We saw her display some of her leadership skills, you know, like you made the, the comparison to Braveheart. Yeah. So she had a Braveheart moment, for sure, <laughs> when she was uh, getting uh, the clans to get their heads in the game and realize what the true threat is. Again, mm-hmm. the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, that came into play. Um, I would like to see her grow beyond that and not be so frustrated with everything. Yeah. You know, she, she has been through some catharsis here as a result of her return to Mandalore. She was able to defeat the local Imperials. She was able to reclaim that weapon of hers. And she was able to right some of the wrongs of her past. So maybe now we'll see her mature a little bit and stop being so angry, stop being so short-tempered, and start being more human. That's what I would like to see with Sabine. So hopefully we're on the right track. I definitely think with these episodes we are. And uh, all in all, I, I thought this was one great way to start off the final season. Again, can't say enough about that sequence with the Imperial Troop Transport Convoy. I really thought that was uh, some some of the best animated Star Wars action sequences that Lucasfilm has provided with us, provided us up to this point. The mystery of Sabine's father finally resolved. We know who he is. And we also learned what that crazy weapon was that Sabine had been beating herself up over creating for all this time. Great to see Bo-Katan come back and take her rightful place mm-hmm. as a Mandalorian leader. And uh, unfortunately, the way she she made the adjustments to the weapon at the end of the episode um, and having it attack those wearing Stormtrooper armor that was kind of an easy out, in my opinion. It, it reminded yeah. me a lot of the end of Superman Two, when he <laughs> when he made the the machine that you know <laughs> took away his yeah, powers. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah how he, everyone go watch Superman Two if you don't know what I'm talking about. But, but it's uh, a Stephen King is a hand of God kind of situation at the end, isn't it? It's like oh, wait, hang on, that's a bit easy. Yeah. Well, so like she said earlier in the episode that she had been studying Imperial armor. But she was able to make those adjustments to that weapon really quickly so that it would attack purely the armor. Um, mm. I don't know what kind of alloy is in Imperial armor that makes this possible, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm willing to suspend belief big time. Um, and uh, then you, you, you have Mandalore. We, we sort of get some resolution to what's going on on the planet Mandalore in the clans. I still have no idea what they're fighting f- for on that planet. Uh, <laughs> they should all just move off world. Maybe they're, maybe they're just fighting for people, you know, maybe they're just fighting for control of people. 
You know, I mean, an, you know, like an occupation isn't always about resources. Sometimes it's about taking ownership over a place and, and dominating the people, isn't it? You know, maybe they see them as a potential workforce or potential uh, candidates to be... Because uh, we know that the clones are probably, you know, their shelf life is quite short-lived and they're going to want soldiers soon. So maybe they're looking at, you know, this is a place where we can just get ourselves a bunch of uh, soldiers, whether we want to or not. If we occupy, we can kind of make these guys... Uh, part of our military so that would that would make sense so not about but, natural uh, resources not about stri- a, a strategic well, location but well, more about oppression too. yeah i mean i, I don't know I, I liked i like the throwaway stuff too did you spot the re- rocketeer reference jimmy oh when did ezra was flying around with the backpack that he couldn't yeah. control yeah very yeah. much so sort of slapsticky but it, mm. it you know it was it was a a, a nice little bit of comic relief there in, in what was mm. a, a pretty tense situation. Nice nod to Joe as well, you know, with him being so involved in, uh, you know, Bubba's development, so that yeah. was kind of cool. There you go. Yeah, Joe yeah. Johnson who directed mm-hmm. The Rocket Man. Okay. Cool. Yeah, didn't catch that, <laughs> but uh, I can't tell you this, Puff a Pig, not in this episode. <laughs> so thank you so much, Paul, for joining us. We'll be returning next Thanks, week man. with uh, more Star Wars Rebels The Classified. And uh, I, I don't know what the uh, name of the episode is next week, but uh, we saw a cool clip of it on Rebels Recon featuring a crash landing of a Y-Wing being piloted by Hera. And uh, mm-hmm. the artwork just looked amazing. So um, I, I'm really impressed by how this season looks right out of the yeah, game, too. Yeah, definitely. I, it, to me, these two episodes were the best extension of the Clone Wars series. This really felt like an extension of the Clone wow. Wars series. So, that's, um, that's high praise, Jimmy. It is. It is because um, it was easy to take the Clone Wars for granted when it was being mm-hmm. produced, but now looking back at it, I see it as being just an amazing masterpiece. And uh, as we've seen with Star Wars Rebels, it can be hard to replicate that sort of masterpiece. Absolutely, I'm finding it harder and harder to separate John Farmer from uh, from Rex because when I when when I saw the the last sequence and it was like oh look that John Farmer's on Yavin I was like no wait 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 it's Rex you know <laughs> for those of, uh, for those who don't know John Farmer is a friend of ours who used to work with Lucas Animation now he's with Disney and, uh-huh. uh, you and now can... he's with the Rebellion it's fantastic. He's gone up in the world. <laughs> but he cosplays as old Captain Rex, and uh, it's 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 a sight to you got to see it to believe it. That's all I got to say. So, again, so, okay, no, hard to distinguish apart. <laughs> so, on that note, thank you everyone for listening. If you'd like to uh, get a hold of us here at Rebel Force Radio, send us an email show at rebelforceradio.com. Uh, that's always a good way to uh, tell us uh, how wrong we were about everything yeah. we spoke about in this episode. Hey, it's you know, this week it's going to happen this week. I know it is. <laughs> there's there's certain things uh, I'm sure we may have missed here and there, but uh, that's okay. You know, it's mm-hmm. that's why we rely on you guys and your feedback so much. But hey, better than an email, leave us a voicemail seven zero eight three two zero one RFR. That's seven zero eight three two zero. 1737. And be sure to join us next week. We'll be back with more uh, Star Wars Rebels to Classify. Thank you so much for joining me this week, Paul, as I said. 
And uh, Jason will be Excuse back me. next week. If I uh, didn't say that, I'm saying it again. And uh, <laughs> thanks, everyone. Wow. We're off to a great start here. Final season of Star Wars Rebels. Season four kicking off with an amazing two-parter. I'll tell you what, as soon as I turn off these mics, I'm going to go watch it again. So Me too. All right. Thank you so much, Paul. On behalf of Rebel Force Radio, Star Wars Rebels, The Classified, I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember... The Force will be with you. Always. Always.